Well, hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the T-Truff, the Film Buff podcast. Um, not too dissimilar from what I did last week. This will be more of a review of movies instead of what I was doing the first six weeks, which was reviewing Game of Thrones. Not reviewing eight to ten movies this time. This will just be a full spoiler, in-depth take on, on my thoughts on Dark Phoenix, which I saw a couple nights back. Kind of a recap of where the Fox's X-Men films landed with me in general, um, where they might go in the MCU, and then inevitably in the next couple of years when they reboot the series. Reboot the series. Um, and uh, yeah, final thoughts overall. We have a final ranking at the end of all the movies. Fox has put out. I believe it's been 12 movies over 19 years. So going right into it, uh, expectations going into Dark Phoenix, relatively low to say the least. I mean, you have what, 20 to 24 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And of course, that's not the only thing you should pay attention to when going to see a movie, but certainly can change your expectations if the general public is already against the release and i think that that's the important thing to remember is it feel this feels like a movie that people wanted to hate from the beginning i know you can't say that that you hated it just because you wanted to hate it but uh, it certainly seems the way that way and certainly the narrative feels that way and, and i'm going to be the first to admit the movie's not flawless it's it's certainly not perfect it's nowhere near the best expectations best x-men movie but to me it's also nowhere near the worst x-men movie uh people seem to forget that the tragedy that was the uh release of the last stand and x-men origins wolverine which were actually you know the, the two movies released back to back in 06 and 09 so um nearly killed the franchise with those two movies so certainly nowhere near as bad as those movies are but this is the second time that they've attempted to do the dark phoenix storyline and i i definitely like this outing i mean again there are many flaws which i'll get to in a second but there are a lot there's a lot to like here and uh i'm not sure they're ever going to do this storyline again at least not for 15 to 20 years i can't see the general public wanting this to be done again it just feels like um, you know, there's certain things the MCU is probably not going to touch. They're probably not going to do the storyline again. They're probably not going to have Apocalypse as a, a villain again. It certainly seems like they'll probably uh, go the more villainous route with Magneto, since in these movies he's more of an anti-hero, which I love. I love when he's an anti-hero and uh, just a you know a perfect foe for Charles Xavier. Is they both have their flaws, but they both generally want good for their people um charles just wants good for everybody magneto just more on the mutant side of things but let's let's jump right into dark phoenix here so first of all the, the script is not great um not not great not a great script um you have let's see who wrote this thing i have it up here on imdb um i'm not sure if kinberg was one of the writers on this or not looks like a well, John Byrne wrote the Dark Phoenix Saga. Okay, so to Chris Claremont. Um, the actual script is written by, well, it's written by Simon Kinberg. So I guess, you know, you're going to live and die with your movie written and directed by Simon Kinberg. It is his first feature film directorial debut. Um, he's been a producer for decades for Fox 
He's helped out in Disney movies, the Star Wars movies. I believe he may have helped out on Rogue One a lot, if I'm not mis- mistaken. But So, I don't want to pin this all on Kanberg, but it certainly feels like a lot of the issues with the movie do, rely, do lie with Kinberg. Again, script not great. The direction is messy, to say the least. Um, the the route they take the villains, which again, is full spoilers, but the route they take Jessica Chastain and, and the rest of the villains in this movie are questionable. Um, the first scene with them, as they almost look like the Dominators from the uh, Arrowverse crossover back in was it 2016, not the best CGI-looking monsters in the beginning. You only get like a quick glimpse of them when they're on Earth for the first time, kind of taking over the um, uh, body of Jessica Chastain and the other people in that little house in the woods. That scene is pretty scary, by the way. It's a, it's you know for an X-Men movie, pretty dark scene. Uh, at first, I'm like, you know, what are they going to do with these characters? Is this going to be where they, they the route goes with them? I mean. Um, certainly an interesting beginning to Vuk, I believe is Jessica Chastain's character and the rest of, um, whatever you want to call their race of people. Um, but they just, they don't capitalize on that. They don't, didn't seem like they had an actual end goal. Um, I mean, they're after Sophie Turner the whole time, Jean Grey, as she has the, the power of the Phoenix inside her, but you don't really ever get a sense for what they want to do with that power, why they want to take over the Earth, like every other major villain in a blockbuster movie. Like, what is it about Earth that they want? What, what? I mean, I think that their planet was taken over by the Phoenix, is what she said in the movie. But I would have just liked more, more, like more script with them, to lack of a better term. Just there should have been more to that arc. Um, so that's one of the major, major, major issues. Um, I think they could have probably made the Dark Phoenix uh, inside of Jean Grey maybe more violent, more dark. Um, I realize it's a PG-13 movie. This this movie was never going to be rated R or anything like that. Um, but it does feel like they maybe could have taken it further. I, I certainly like the way they took the, the actual phoenix inside Jean gray uh route but i think it definitely could have been enhanced um if you will um another flaw i guess major flaw that i didn't even really notice until the end when you see him again is that quicksilver kind of takes a nap in this movie um and granted in days of future past he just disappears after his one scene in apocalypse he's there throughout the movie at least more like once the halfway point hits and, and you see him for the first time and he wants to go after his father and Magneto. He's there throughout the rest of the movie, but Apocalypse does kind of break his leg, so it kind of you know puts him on the sideline for a bit in the final fight. Um, but like I've said many times, with characters that powerful, you kinda have to you have to take a certain approach. You either depower them and have them present the whole time, um, so that you you know you make it believable that they wouldn't just defeat their enemies right at the beginning, or you take the Captain Marvel approach um, in Endgame, and you just have her. There's an excuse for to have her be out in space and have her helping, you know, other races of people and not just Earthlings. 
and then you have her come back at the end and, and sort of depower her to an extent um, with Thanos. It's, if you just have Superman the whole time on your team, it just kind of removes the credibility of the story considering how powerful he is. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's a way. Maybe there's a way to make you know those characters as powerful as they are in the comics without um, kind of sacrificing the believability of the story. I've yet to really see it happen especially in these team-up movies, but we'll see. Maybe the MCU takes um, a different approach with the, the X-Men um, coming up. So so that's kind of where I stand with Quicksilver. Um, <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, he takes a nap like Godzilla, because don't we all know that Godzilla King of Monsters, a train wreck of a movie, but Godzilla takes an absolute nap for 30, 40 minutes in that movie. He's barely in his own movie once again. Enough on Godzilla. Um, last big flaw that I wrote down, and it's not necessarily a big flaw, it's, it's, it's one line, but it just, it ruins the scene, it ruins the tension, because you just don't believe the line at all, when Cyclops, um, essentially tells Magneto to, you know, F off if he ever touches Jean Grey or hurts Jean Grey, it's like, yeah, okay, we don't need an F-bomb in every single one of these X-Men movies, a lot of times they make it work, um, you know, the first three, movies in this iteration of the x-men first class when wolverine tells charles and eric to f off that was great in days of future past when charles does the callback to that first f-bomb is great magneto saying who the f are you to apocalypse fantastic in in x-men apocalypse so they they knew how to use it until now um you know the mcu i don't believe has had a single f-bomb to to this point and it's never hurt them so Maybe you just don't need one. I, I don't really see the necessity, unless it's actually a funny line, unless it makes sense. You kind of heard like people scoffing at the line in the theater, kind of chuckling at it, not in a good way. Um, so that's something to note there. But let's, let's move on to the, the good things with Dark Phoenix, because there are plenty of them. Um, to me, Sophie Turner absolutely kills it. Absolutely kills it. Uh, her physicality uh, in this movie as... The Dark Phoenix version of Jean Grey is fantastic, both visually and just the way she moves and, and, and uses her hands, kind of like Scarlet Witch would use her hands in the MCU. It's just, it's very well done. Um, and she also handles, because the whole time, besides the first scene of the movie, she's not on the best uh, of terms within herself. Dark, once Dark Phoenix takes over, it's it's really all breakdown from there, whether that be a physical breakdown, mental breakdown. That's really all she goes. That's all she has to go for in this movie. And so that could be very difficult for an actor to really spend an entire movie not feeling in control, which the scenes that she does kind of feel in control and take that power um, to use to her strength is very powerful as well. Um, but... But that's that's definitely a difficult thing to portray, and it's it's amazing to see what Sophie Turner has done with this character, and really her acting career in general. Because when you look back at the first season of Game of Thrones, her first acting role, she's it's a lot of raw talent there. I mean, you could see you could see where she might be going with her career, but certainly not in a likable way. And there's a way to make those unlikable characters likable. So. Not promising start the first couple seasons Game of Thrones. Of course, going back and rewatching, it's a lot easier to see where her acting talent um, is taken 
in, in those lines, in those scenes. Um, but even going back to the first X-Men movie she was in, X-Men Apocalypse, a couple years back, I remember when there was rumors as to who was going to play Jean Grey, who they were going to cast. I think there was many, like Chloe Grace Moretz, I believe, was up for it. Um, but the one name I remember seeing up against Sophie Turner, who at the time I would have loved to have seen her take on the role, maybe still would have loved to see it, but it, it, that would be Saoirse Ronan. Um, of course, I'd much rather have her do her independent movie roles, which she is always fantastic in, um, giving Oscar turn, Oscar turns in almost every movie, but, um, certainly that was, that was a big question mark, like, can Sophie Turner turn the corner, no pun intended, uh, on what people thought of her performance as Sansa, um, over what was almost like a, a given you were going to get a great performance from Saoirse Ronan, so, um, certainly at the time, questionable. I'm glad they went the route they did now. Um, but let's let's talk on the, the movie visually in general because uh, I thought the CGI and the, uh, the cinematography of this movie were fantastic. Everything from the beginning uh, scene, um, going up on the mission to save the, the people on the spaceship, uh, I thought that was fantastic. The tension in that scene with Hans Zimmer's score, which freaking Hans Zimmer scoring an X-Men movie? Come on, I'll take that any day. Um, so I'm glad we got that. There's definitely things to note within his score that are impressive. I mean, I do love John Hotman's theme of the X-Men that he used in X2, um, Days of Future Past, and Apocalypse, but you know, take what you're going to get, right? There's no more Brian Singer, so you weren't really going to get the... Uh, uh, that John Ottman score, yeah, from what I understand, that was just never going to happen. Um, but but moving on to yeah, once again the visuals, uh, I loved the way that whole scene worked. I loved the way the Phoenix looked in general. I loved the subtle visual effects they would put on Sophie Turner, whether whether it was uh, the, the blowing of her hair, the slow motion with Quicksilver, um, the action scenes in general were, were well shot. Um, as well as they could be shot. There's other things within Kinberg's uh, direction that I think definitely could have been uh, shot better. But again, it's his first time. There's a certain amount that you got to forgive him for, whether or not he should have been taking on this big-budget movie for his first um, directorial debut. That's up for debate. I, I don't think that's probably the route they should have taken, but I'm not sure who else was going to take on this movie as the inevitable last Fox X-Men film. Um, and of course, I mean, w what else can I say? It, Michael Fassbender as Eric Lencher slash Magneto, probably the best part of this quadrilogy. I mean, James McAvoy is fantastic as Xavier, but I can't imagine anybody else playing Magneto better than, than what he was played in the last four movies, which is really a shame that we don't get to see him in the MCU alongside, you know, the other actors that we've seen for the last, what, 15, 10, 15 years almost. Um, same with, same with McAvoy as well. But, but the scene, the scene when Jean Grey first goes out and, and seeks out Magneto for his help, not, not to team up, just for her 
to, to, to get, get his help on, on kind of controlling the power and stop killing people, which I thought was a really nice change from what they did in The Last Stand, where Magneto is, is more of a straight villain once Jean Grey goes to him. They kind of just team up, and then they, uh, with the cure and everything, I, I mean, it, it, I don't know. That movie's a train wreck in general, but I like that it wasn't her going, because the trailers made it seem like he she was going to him to help, you know, oh, you're the only one that understands me, you know, blah, 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 let's team up, let's kill some people. Like, I thought that was going to be the route they were going. I'm so glad it wasn't. Um, I would have liked more of Magneto in this movie. He's not in it for a whole lot. But I did like his, his few scenes. And the scene where they're trying to hold down the helicopter, you have, uh, you know, Eric, he, he's trying to, to, to safely get the helicopter down or really just get it out of reach of Jean Grey. Jean Grey's just trying to kill them. I thought that was really powerful. As much as those actors are literally acting against a CGI green screen, there's not even a helicopter there. There's just probably wind blowing in their face. I uh, loved, 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 loved their performances. And even as much as Sophie Turner's improved as an actress, you could see as compared to Fassbender, there's, uh, there's really, really not a comparison there. It's... Uh, it's Fassbender and then everybody else below, which is just a shame that he hasn't been uh, given more meaty roles in Hollywood. It feels like all of his movies now in days are, are kind of box office bombs. You had Steve Jobs, which he was nominated for, but you have The Snowman. People didn't like Assassin's Creed. There was a lot of pushback against Light Between the Oceans. Um, so I, I want to see I just want to see him get more good work. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, but we'll see. Um, well, some other things to note before we kind of wrap up and give a ranking here. They actually did kill off Mystique, and in, in as much as they literally spoiled that in the trailers, which they shouldn't have done, um, they did it. And and I know I know a lot of people don't like the Mystique arc in these these this quadrilogy because they made her into more of a, a hero, a heroic character. Or an anti-hero instead of just the you know, straight villain. But does anybody actually love Mystique in the comics anyway? I don't remember her ever being like that popular of a character, that central of a character. And maybe that's your problem. Maybe the problem is that she is a central character in the movies. But when you have Jennifer Lawrence, you're not just gonna uh, have her have you know, one to two scenes or just be in the full Mystique form the entire movie. You're gonna use her chops and. Uh, sure, I definitely believe since Apocalypse, Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix now, um, her commitment to the role has probably taken a step down. Um, and that's really just taking into the fact of, taking into the fact that she is not in the Mystique uh, blue as much. Maybe she just didn't care as much to do all the, the hours-long makeup to do that. Whether or not that's true, I think her performance in days of future past and first class is incredible um some of the best stuff the x-men series has ever given us is in is her turn in days of future past her whole arc her last scene um in dc just great stuff so sure maybe that the arc didn't complete well enough maybe she should have been killed off in apocalypse really surprised she even came back for this one to be honest but um so the statement she dies is is it's interesting. I didn't really... I'm not going to say I felt anything for the character, um, which I know you were supposed to. I more so just felt for, like, Charles in that scene, felt for Eric, even though he's not present, but I definitely felt for him. Um, so, 
you know wh whatever you have there but uh they, they they certainly made nightcrawler cool again to be honest what he hasn't really really been in the series since x2 um you know his his first entry into okay uh, sorry a little technical issue there so that was uh, i guess we can call that part one but um so back back to back to nightcrawler here um so what his introduction was in x2 um fantastic introduction in the white house sequence there um but then you have uh you know he's he's not in last stand he's not in first class he's not in days of future past and then they bring him back um as a younger version cody smith mcphee um back in x-men apocalypse which he's good in that movie um he's just not in it that much but i loved the way they used him at least towards the end here in dark phoenix um as he just kind of goes full out villain uh, not villain but just full out brutal brutal violence um no holding back um and i guess that kind of brings me to the, the final fight sequence in, in general um which i thought was you know whether or not it's that whole thing is reshot or not i think it is from what the reports are telling us i thought that was really well done i mean you have you have uh you know vuk finally taking back control of the dark phoenix power it's all in the train sequence they're all captured which is kind of weird in general um of course the the first part of the fight on the the street um just a, i don't know a weird location for sure i'm not sure how much i cared for that um, I kind of prefer the whole space location, what they were saying, but it, when it, when it ends up on the train, um, and everybody's kind of using their powers to try to defeat these guys, um, you have all the Terminators running at them. That's what I'm going to call those aliens because they're running like Terminators. Um, interesting choice there, but I, I, I do like the fact that the, all the characters are using their powers to defeat all of them that you kind of see it's like one last hurrah for all the characters um you know you have eric just killing it with all um, his powers there gene gray finally takes over kind of uses the phoenix power whatever's left in her nightcrawler's killing it cyclops is doing what he does um storm finally you know showing a little bit here she's barely in apocalypse so I uh, liked that they finally using her a little bit more. Um, again, Quicksilver takes a nap, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so that final fight was pretty incredible, pretty visually stunning, um, thrilling, probably more thrilling than the entire film in general. Um, but so that's that's where I stand in the final fight. Um, one thing I didn't like, and I didn't bring this up in my negatives, but I will now is the idea that they're making all these characters um, kind of believe that it's all Charles' fault with Jean. I understand he had, he had a role in her turn, um, not being able to control her powers, kind of taking her away from her father, who didn't want her at all when she was little. Um, I just, I don't, I don't like that storyline. I think they could have chose something better as a dramatic um, point with Beast and, and Charles. It just seemed weird, especially because you can't have Beast be mad at Charles, be at fault for what he ended up doing with Jean, which caused Mystique's death, and then the next scene to have Beast want to go kill Jean. 
I just don't think that works. You can't have it both ways. You can't be pissed at Charles and also mad that it's all Gene's fault as well. You got to pick one or the other. So not not a huge fan of that. Um, and and that's kind of that's that's where I'm at with the movie in general. I think the movie ends well. It starts well. Um, yeah, you, you know, you have the final scene with Charles and Eric playing chess, which you kind of knew that was going to be. Once you see Charles sitting down, you kind of knew it was going to have that ending. That's just a brilliant thing they've done with those characters is build that chemistry, um, build the stakes between the two characters. It's, it's at its best in Days of Future Past on the plane sequence, um, where they're yelling at each other. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, you have it. it I think this is the best they could have done under the circum under the circumstances, under the time frame, under the reshoots. Um, I I'm not sure they could have done much better. If they would have fixed some other things, it probably would have made it, uh, you know other plot points or other elements of the movie not very good either. So uh, I'm I'm at least pleased with the outcome they had. Of course, it could have been better, but it's certainly certainly we know it could have been worse. Um, so we're going to go through, you know, this is the end of an era. We have 19 years, 12 films, 19 years for this franchise, 2000 to 2019. Even the MCU, you know, we have the end of an era with Endgame, but that was only 08 to 09. You know, at that point when Iron Man came out, we hadn't even gotten X-Men Origins Wolverine yet. We only had the original X-Men trilogy at that point. So it's pretty interesting. Um you know, what this, this series has been able to accomplish, like over $5 billion. Um, so certainly successful. Hopefully Dark Phoenix can make some money at the box office just as like one more final appreciation. Not that it ultimately matters. You know, Disney owns Fox now, so money's money at this point. doesn't really change anything. Even if this movie made $6 billion at the box office, they were going to reboot it. You know, it was, it was never going to, it was never going to save the series. But let's get into that final ranking of all 12 films in the X-Men series, the Fox X-Men series. I do wonder how the MCU will handle Deadpool, but I guess that's a conversation for another day. Probably something maybe I'll do this summer is, is kind of predict how the MCU will tackle Fantastic Four and X-Men, you know, which one will come first. Um God, I kind of do have a feeling it'll be Fantastic Four. I know that's the rumor right now with 2022. I'll believe it when Feige says something or their actual you know, trade reports pick it up or anything like that. I'm not going to believe any cool news or we got this covered, whatever those sites are called. So, um, Like I said, I'll believe it when I see it with those movies. I kind of have a feeling it's going to be at least three, maybe even four years before we see any of these um, Fox owned characters into the mcu but certainly an interesting interesting time for superhero movies an end of an era for a lot of them kind of the beginning for another with dc kind of finally kicking off their their series but let's backtrack a little bit let's let's get back into um the, the final ranking we're going to start at number 12 this is there's no argument here to me it's x-men origins wolverine the the, the movie is complete trash the cgi is complete trash um, I do love Hugh Jackman in this role, but they try to have that little romance, um, with him and whatever that actress's name is. They sewed Deadpool's mouth shut, which is one of the most abysmal things any studio has ever done in any movie. 
I do actually like Leaf Schreiber's um, uh, Sabretooth, but uh, it's not enough to save it. I do like, I, I found it interesting that they were actually going to bring back Leaf Schreiber for Logan at one point, but that kind of, uh, that kind of fell apart. So that's 12. 11 would be the last stand. Too much going on in this movie. You have the cure. You have the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, you, you have the death of Charles Xavier, which, of course, didn't end up actually uh, being the truth. Of course, in the after credits, he like sent his consciousness to somebody else. Who knows what they I don't know. But last stand, just too much going on. Um, too many characters. The, the whole uh, colossal thing is ridiculous. Um or Colossus, I'm sorry, thing is ridiculous, um, I mean, I do like Logan killing, having to kill Phoenix at the end, Jean Grey, but, um, again, it's too messy, of course, it has the Brett and Ratner stink on it as well, so, a lot of these movies actually have stink with directors on it now, but, um, coming in at number 10, it'd be The Wolverine, 75% of this movie's pretty dang good, the last 25-30 minutes is pretty awful it ends up being a cgi comic book cgi fest green screen something that the first 75 percent of the movie was not it was like a samurai revenge almost western type movie with uh, james mangold directing as well so that was cool but um i love the setting of japan i love the the, the sequence on the train um I love his relationship with the, the women in this movie. I love the the flashback to World War Two when he's saving people from the the the, uh, the, the nuclear bomb. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Uh, but again, it just falls apart in the third act. So coming in at number nine, then will be X Men Apocalypse. Uh, you know, it, it's on rewatch. It's I like it a little bit less every time, but I still really like this movie. You know, I love the Magneto stuff. Apocalypse himself was cool the first time, and then you kind of realize that um, he just doesn't fit with an X-Men story, at least the way they portrayed him in the movies. The X-Men are always best when they're facing like issues relating to humanity and personal issues. Like I don't like the whole world-saving element to any of the X-Men movies, so that's kind of that that that's what makes this one the most disappointing um, out of the new series of X-Men movies, at least to me. Um, still good. There's a lot of good scenes in this movie. Um, I do like that they finally get their suits in this movie, which is cool. But anyway, coming in at number eight would be Deadpool 2. Really, this is this is one of those cases where I really like the movie. I laugh a lot. I even went to go see Once Upon a Deadpool in theaters, and I laughed a lot. But I don't know. There's something really missing from this movie. I think it's just a villain presence in general. I knew you end up having um, Juggernaut or whatever uh, at the end. I don't know. I just there's there's something I don't like the kid Julian Dennison. Like I don't I don't really think he's that good in this role. I think he's kind of annoying. Josh Brolin is cool, but I don't like that he's essentially a villain for eighty percent of the movie. Um, Domino's really cool. The whole X Force scene in general is is freaking amazing. Um, humor is great once again the action is great um the time travel element is interesting definitely an interesting choice i don't know that i like the fact that they killed her off and then brought her back but um what are you gonna do that's just, that's the story they went with um i it's certainly a rewatchable movie because of how funny it is but 
I don't like it as much as I did the first time I saw it. Um, coming at number seven is the first X-Men. So the most dated movie by far on this list is the first X-Men. Just they didn't have the budget. Visually, it's not the best. Um, but it's still a fun movie to see the relationship between Charles and Eric for the first time. Wolverine for the first time. His relationship with Rogue is really sweet. Um, just the, the green screen in general and how the final fight is on top of like a, a building. And it's it's really kind of silly um but it does have that nostalgia feel because it's that first time you see any of these characters so i like the movie um a lot just it's not as rewatchable coming at number six is the movie we're talking about today dark phoenix so there's again there's a lot to like with this movie sophie turner absolutely kills it um i like most of the x-men they killed off mystique um i think it visually the movie looks really great just the villains in general that whole script part or that part of the script is ridiculous wasted um more just just a waste of time to be honest um coming in number five is x2 probably if we're discussing best movie this would probably be a little bit higher um just about best written and, and directed this is probably a little bit higher just in terms of preference um Again, it's just on. It's a little bit on the dated side. I do like the Gene sacrifice. I like Wolverine in this movie. How he goes berserk. I like the Striker element to this movie a lot. Again, Charles and Eric kind of teaming up in this movie was really cool. Um, but that's kind of where we fall. So number four is Deadpool. Just definitely, I'd say the most rewatchable movie on this list. Hilarious, uh, irreverent humor. The villain with uh, Ed Skrine is pretty good as well. This might be the best love story in any superhero movie, aside from Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone and perhaps uh, Downey Jr. and Paltrow in the first Iron Man, but great stuff here in general. Coming in, number three would be X-Men First Class, the reboot of sorts for the uh, X-Men series. Uh, I love Wolverine's little cameo in the movie. This, to me, is the best... Uh, no, I'll say second best representation of the uh, Magneto-Xavier dynamic. Um, I love Mystique in this movie. I love the final sequence on the beach. I think that's extremely powerful, what goes down there. Um, the scene when he gets paralyzed finally with Xavier, uh, but that's first class. So coming in at number two is maybe, and I keep saying this, but maybe the actual best made on, best made movie, which is Logan. Um what a send-off for Wolverine in general, for Hugh Jackman as the character. We're never going to see him again, so stop trying to, you know, f figure out if he'll team up with Deadpool or he'll go to the MCU. It's never going to happen, but what a movie to end. It's, it's you know, that revenge western that the Wolverine felt like it was going to be um, and that it didn't turn out to be, but Logan is absolutely the movie that I thought was going to be nominated for Best Picture. Out of any of these, that could have been the one. Um... Oh, God, and, and uh, X-23 is fantastic. Uh, the fact that Logan fights his, his younger self, what a great, great addition to, to, to the movie. Great surprise in the movie. Brutal, brutal violence. Um, and extremely emotional at the end. So really the whole package there. And finally coming in at number one, no surprise, it's been my favorite X-Men movie since it came out and probably will forever be, I would assume, is the time travel movie X-Men Days of Future Past. I love that they bring both the cast together. Really special 
uh, thing, finally seeing both of, of every character together. Um, and, and it's, it's really another Wolverine movie. I'm going back in time to his, really setting his conscious to his younger self, kind of fixing the issues that, that were going to happen that kind of ended the world. Um, and I think it's also the best representation of the human versus mutant side of, of all of these stories. And this is where the movies succeed the most, is when it does focus on that dynamic. So that's the list one more time, starting at the bottom. X-Men Origins, Wolverine, The Last Stand, Wolverine, X-Men Apocalypse, Deadpool 2, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, X2, Deadpool, First Class, Logan, and Days of Future Past. That's the list. That's the review. Final thoughts on Dark Phoenix were, I liked it a lot. I think there's some issues, but I definitely liked it a lot. Um, we'll see what we do next week. I'm not sure what the show is going to be yet, but um, until next time, thanks.